Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ringside Ramblings. Today is July 9th, 2019, uh, and I kind of wanted to do a quick review today of Impact's uh, Slammiversary pay-per-view. Uh, kind of go through those matches, um, just kind of review them one by one and touch on them briefly. Uh, I do want to say real quick that I do appreciate each and every one of you being patient with me and uh, the Wrestling Connoisseur. Uh, I know our content output has kind of been fluctuating uh, from time to time here. Uh, I'm pursuing some career goals here, which kind of hinders me from being able to put as much time and energy into this as I want to. Uh, the wrestling connoisseur himself has been busy uh, with uh, a new baby. Uh, so he's definitely got his hands full, figuratively and literally. Uh, so I know that hopefully we will be able to start doing this a little more regularly come August uh, once I get this exam under my belt. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to kind of maybe come up with a schedule as so to speak uh let you guys kind of know what to expect on, on a week-to-week basis that's my hope um so keep an eye out for that um but let's just go ahead and let's dive into slammiversary okay because i find that with impact you can go a month or two and not really watch or keep up with their weekly television um but when you go and sit down and watch one of their pay-per-views uh, they do such a great job kind of recapping everything that has led up to this point in a feud or how a match has been set up over time. Um, so you don't really, and I, I hate putting it this way, you don't really have to keep up with the weekly shows um, because their production team does such a great job putting together these video packages, uh, really showing you what has happened to this point, how we have how gotten here. Um and it really just makes a, a big difference, I think, especially comparatively to some other companies. Um, so, admittedly, this is the first Impact show I've watched probably in, in about two or three months, um, in full at least. Um, and I liked it. I thought it was a good show uh, overall. Uh, let's go ahead and, and talk about the first match here. Uh, we had a, a fatal four-way match here between uh, TJP versus Trey, versus Jake Crist of OVE, versus Willie Mack. Uh, and the big news here, I think, at least for me, was that TJP now being a, a full-time member of the Impact Wrestling roster. Um, and I'll be the first to say, I have never really been the biggest fan of TJP. Um, he, he just never really stood out to me. I mean, you know, for what he is, uh, he's a good wrestler. Uh, but he never really hit it. Hit, hit the criteria for me. He never really checked off all the boxes as to what really makes me become a fan of a, a particular wrestler. Now, with that said, I think TG, uh, TJP is a good fit for Impact Wrestling. Uh, obviously, you know, he's been there before. He did the suicide gimmick um, or manic. I, I can't remember which one it was. Um, so he's kind of familiar with Impact and, and how they do business. Um, and I think TG, TJP really assimilates well into the rest of the Impact Wrestling roster. And he, he seems to have found um, really kind of where he belongs, so to speak. Um, it wasn't WWE. I mean, WWE is, is kind of doing what they're doing with 205 Live. And even with rumors that 205 Live will cease to exist come the end of the year. Uh, and TJP really not breaking that glass ceiling in the 205 Live division, like someone like Mustafa Ali or Cedric Alexander, I think TJP would have been uh, kind of a uh, cruiserweight for life, so to speak, you know? So I think 
Uh, I think TJP being part of the Impact Wrestling roster was a good choice. Uh, Fast-paced match here. I'm a big fan of Willie Mack, and I am a big fan of Jake Crist as well, uh, who has an overwhelmingly underrated uh, athleticism. Uh, very athletic. We saw some great spots in this match, uh, some innovative spots. At one point, uh, we saw TJP Luck in a surfboard stretch on Trey, uh, Trey McGill. And then Jake Crist actually slides under to pin TJP, which I thought was really, which was just neat. Uh, something that you don't really see. But then Willie Mack comes off the top rope with a big double stomp on Trey to break up that spot. So I thought that was kind of the standout moment of this match. Uh, ultimately, it's Willie Mack who splashes down on Crist for the cover one, two, three. Uh, so Willie Mack picks up the win via pinfall. Uh, good opener. They say if you can't do the main event, uh, the best match is to be in the opener. And I think that's a testament to the faith that Impact has in these performers uh, to kind of get the crowd going, uh, to get them excited for what's to come for the rest of the show. And I think they did that with this match. So uh, a solid opener. Um, which leads us into our second match of the evening. Uh, the North, comprised of Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, who are the Impact World Tag Team Champions, versus LAX, versus the other two members of the Rascals, Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz. Um, and this was, surprisingly, a, another kind of fast-paced match. We saw a lot of athleticism out of the North, uh, particularly Ethan Page and Josh Alexander in this match. Um some again some good spots here um i don't want to go through all of it uh, we saw alexander hit the blue thunder bomb um santana attempted a, a springboard in page pump kicked him out um so i think we saw uh some good chemistry from these teams actually which ultimately led to the north uh picking up the win um looked like santana might have been injured uh, in the match, at least that's what's being said. Um, he didn't want to be stretched out of the uh, out of the arena there, um, but the camera was kind of focusing on him quite a bit, which makes me question whether or not this was actually a legitimate injury, uh, because typically if if a wrestler is injured, the camera won't necessarily focus on them, especially for an extended amount of time, and that's what we got in this match. We got a lot of camera time on Santana, who is kind of holding his leg. Um, so whether or not that's a work, uh, I would say it is. Um, but another side note on LAX, apparently, uh, they're done with impact wrestling. Uh, whether or not that's true, I, I think is yet to be determined. Uh, LAX obviously has made a big name for themselves. Santana and Ortiz, both, uh, kind of being the second car uh, incarnation of LAX. The original being obviously homicide and Hernandez, um, where LAX ends up next, uh, they would be a hot commodity for any promotion. Um, and I think wherever they go, they will find success. Up next, we got a, a little promo from Sal Sammy Callahan hyping up his match against Tessa Blanchard. Uh, he's saying this is going to be a car crash. Uh, and he says that this match will be the main event of the evening. So big news there. Uh, to my knowledge, the first intergender main event in wrestling. So we will see how that goes as we continue this review. But up next, my boy, Killer Cross, going one-on-one -on -one with Eddie Edwards in a first blood match. 
um, Killer Cross coming out in a priest outfit and his face painted. He's kind of got the, the cross on his forehead. Um, oh my God, he, he was just so creepy. And I, I think with Cross, you know, he, he, he's, he hits, all, he, I talked about that criteria earlier. God, I'm getting excited just talking about it. You know, when, when I look and see what makes me a fan of a wrestler, you need the character, you need the in-ring ability, you need the ability to speak and convey what your character's goals are, uh, their motivations, their intent. Uh, Cross does all of this and more. Uh, he's got the character down pat. Um, his in-ring work is very good. Um, now, Eddie Edwards, on the other hand, I can... And I hate putting it this way, but I can kind of take him or leave him. I know Eddie Edwards definitely has his fan base, and Impact has put a lot of time and energy into building uh, Eddie Edwards, uh, kind of making him out to be kind of this crazy person. Uh, but I'm just not, I'm not huge on Eddie Edwards. Uh, it is what it is. I, I, think, I think they're really trying with him. But at the end of the day, eh. I don't need to see Eddie Edwards on my TV. With that said, uh, this match had some cool moments, but admittedly, I think I was a little bit underwhelmed with the match. Um, and I don't think it's to, to either Cross's or I don't think it's Edwards' fault either. Uh, I just think that's the nature of the match, kind of being this first blood match. Uh, the, di the dynamics in a match like this change. And I think, for me, I prefer... I think I prefer more of the traditional match, generally speaking. Um, so this first blood match, I don't think it really did it for me. We saw some good moments out of these guys. We saw, you know, Cross uh, throw Edwards off the uh, ring apron into a stack of chairs. Um, obviously, the finish was visually interesting. Uh, Eddie Edwards jamming a kendo stick, a broken kendo stick, uh, into Killer Cross's mouth. Uh, which actually led to First Blood being called in favor of Eddie Edwards. Um, not sure what they did there. I, I'm guessing he, he had a blood pack or something like that uh, because I highly doubt uh, Eddie Edwards took a uh, mangled kendo stick and, and tore Killacross's mouth up with it. I'm not really thinking that's what happened. Um, but in any event... If you like the more hardcore, extreme style of wrestling, you probably really enjoyed this match. Um, so, for, for what it was, it was good. Uh, I just think it could have been better, but I just think it's a circumstance of the stipulation. Um, up next was Moose uh, versus RVD, and we've kind of uh, seen this match being hyped up uh, the past couple of weeks, from what I understand, uh, with Moose kind of taking these shots at RVD. Um, ultimately, Moose got the win, and I think that was the right call here. Uh, RVD doesn't necessarily need to get a win because he's RVD, and at this point in his career, uh, I don't think he needs to necessarily be going over these younger guys. Uh, so RVD did the favor for Moose, let him hit the spear and cover him for the 1-2-3. Um, kind of mixed reviews on social media about this match, and I think what's interesting is that people have always been such a big fan of RVD, but I think it's becoming a little obvious, even to the diehards, that RVD has lost a step or two, and look, he can do more than I can do, 
physically. So I'm not bashing his physical or athletic ability whatsoever. Uh, but to the RVD of old, there's definitely something left to be desired. Uh, he slowed down quite a bit, and, and expectedly, like I don't, I wouldn't expect RVD to still go in the ring like he did 20 years ago. It's just not going to happen. So it's not a knock on RVD, but I think people hold him up to that standard, and I think when you do, you you have a certain expectation that's simply not going to be met in an RVD match. But uh, in any event, uh, Moose gets the win. I think that was the right call here. Uh, up next, yet another uh, kind of extreme or hardcore match. This time, it was for the Impact's uh, Knockout Championship, a Fatal 4-Way Monsters Ball match. Ty Valkyrie, the champion, versus Rosemary, versus Sue Young, versus Jessica Havoc. Uh, and Havoc, I knew, kind of used to be a part of the Impact roster, uh, so it was kind of a surprise for me to see that Jessica Havoc had returned uh, some years later uh, to become part of the Knockouts division yet again. Uh, we saw some pretty sick spots in this match. Uh, we saw the tax come out. We saw the ladder come out. Uh, we saw the, uh, so I think it was Sue Young getting kind of spiked on her head in the tax. Uh, some stuff that would kind of, Turn your stomach a little bit. Um, definitely not the traditional style of wrestling, uh, but it's not supposed to be. This was, I mean, consider the wrestlers you have in this match being Rosemary, Sue Young, and Jessica Havoc. Uh, I think you would kind of expect something like this to happen. You would expect uh, a stipulation like this. So for what it was, uh, again, I'm sure there's uh, plenty of people who enjoyed this match. Uh, at one point, we saw Taya Valkyrie pull out a picture of herself and staple it to Sue Young's head. Uh, not a big fan of the staple spots, but, you know, again, it is what it is. Uh, it's neither here nor there. It's not a bad thing uh, or a good thing. It, it just is what it is. So, ultimately, Taya Valkyrie retains her Knockouts Championship. Um, good good match for what it was. Um and a lot of praise on social media for this match. Um, and the women's uh, division in Impact has always kind of felt like it was a step above WWE's. And it's kind of always felt that way. At least for me. Um, I feel like the knockouts have always just had an advantage. Uh, that the roster is usually a little more athletic. A little more experienced. You know, versus someone like the Iconics kind of coming in. And they don't really know what they're doing. Or honestly, uh, Lacey Evans, who's got the character down. Uh, but we can see through a lot of picture and video that she really might not know what she's doing in the ring. She's green. Not a bad thing. She'll get there. But Impact's, wrestling, uh, Impact's women's roster has always felt like it was kind of a step above. So, uh, yeah. Good, good for Taya for, for retaining her Knockouts Championship. Up next is the Impact Wrestling X Division Championship, the holder of Ultimate X, Johnny Impact, uh, going one-on-one with the X Division Champion, Rich Swan. I love Rich Swan, and I am a big fan of Swan. Uh, he's got this energy that's so real. You, know, like, you can feel like this is just part of Rich Swan. 
and he, he just goes out there and he has a good time. He's good at what he does. I'm a big fan of Swan. We saw some uh, good back and forth action here. Uh, Johnny Impact attempted the Spanish fly at one point, but uh, uh, Rich Swan ended up sending Johnny Impact back into the turnbuckle. Uh, Swan hit his patented handspring flipping splash. Um, good stuff here. We saw some uh, integration of Johnny Impact's manager, Johnny Bravo, um, kind of at one point waxing the abs or, or patting down the abs with a, with a, with a, a towel of some sort, you know, while Johnny Impact was kind of taking a rest or, or a breather from the match. Um, interesting, I guess. Um, Rich Swan ends up hitting the Phoenix Splash and retaining the X Division Championship. And apparently that is it for Johnny Impact. Johnny Impact is no more. Um... Uh, Multiple wrestling sites have reported that Johnny Impact is no longer part of the Impact Wrestling roster. Um, where he goes next, nobody knows. I know he stays busy taking a lot of different independent wrestling uh, bookings uh, here in South Carolina. I know he's he's appeared down in Charleston. Uh, he's doing stuff outside Georgia. Um, he, he's definitely getting around, and I think Johnny Impact... I don't know what to call him now. Can I call him Johnny Impact? Uh, we'll, we'll just call him uh, Johnny Impact for now, I guess. But wherever he ends up full-time, uh, who knows? We know he's kind of dabbled in acting in the past. Maybe he'll want to go back into acting. Um, will WWE or AEW be reaching out to uh, Mr. Impact? Um, time will tell. Um, I, I could see AEW maybe wanting to pick him up. Um, WWE... I don't, I don't think they'd be interested, and I don't think they necessarily need anybody else on their roster because they can't use who they already have. But that's another topic for another time. Uh, wait for the wrestling connoisseur uh, before we go down that rabbit hole. Um, anyway, back back to uh, Slammiversary. Brian Cage, the Impact World Champion, defending his championship against Michael Elgin. And instead of kind of going into this match and touching on some of the things they did... I want to talk about us getting to this point. Instead of praising what these guys did in the ring, uh, and from what I uh, from what I saw, it was it was pretty good. But why? And that's really my thing: is why do we bring in Mike Elgin, uh, who's a good wrestler? I like Mike, um, and and I'm a fan of what he's done. Um, but it's not necessary, especially when you have somebody like a, a Killer Cross or like Moose, who's really coming into his own. You don't really need Mike Elgin for anything. When we could be feeding challengers to Brian Cage, who can kind of be the homegrown talent, as so to speak, why, why did we get to this point? And I think that's my biggest issue, is that Mike Elgin's a good signing, but what justifies Elgin coming into Impact Wrestling, going straight to the top of the card, and saying, Brian Cage, I want your world championship. Well, if I was Brian Cage, I'd look at him and I'd say, hey, pal, you just got here. You need to get to the back of the line. Uh, because you don't just get to waltz into my company that I'm champion of 
and make demands, you know? So it, it doesn't really make sense to me how we got to this point. Uh, but we did. Uh, Cage ends up uh, pinning Mike Elgin with the roll-up uh, for one, two, three. After what was a you know a solid back-and-forth match with both big guys showing off their athletic ability. Uh, after the match... Mike Elgin takes the title and hits Cage in the face with it. Um, so, oh, I almost forgot. Uh, a, a mystery masked man also post-match comes into the ring. He's wearing like a ski mask. He props down in the corner and starts wagging his fingers. And then suddenly he hits a huge gore on Mike Elgin. The mystery man you know, beats his chest twice and then holds his arms up before running back into the crowd. Now, ladies and gentlemen, who did I just describe to you? Well, the news going around is that Rhino has made his Impact Wrestling return, and I've seen people calling it a debut, and that kind of pisses me off. It's not a debut. It's a return uh, because he spent a pretty good chunk of time in Impact before. So... That was TNA. It was not Impact Wrestling. Whatever. Okay. Uh, It was a return. So Rhino back in Impact Wrestling. uh, So they say. uh, Despite his contract with WWE not being uh, up until July 17th. Um, From what I understand, Rhino isn't going to be facing any legal ramifications of his appearance uh, in Impact Wrestling. Which really kind of boggles my mind uh, why WWE has been so so kind of strict with their performers' contracts, um, but yet they just kind of let Rhino go and, and do what he wants to do. Maybe it's because he's got vet status, you know. But in any event, what can Rhino contribute to Impact Wrestling at this stage? Because by WWE standards... Rhino is nothing. He's a guy who sits in the ring at Titus O'Neil's barbecue and he eats uh, bologna sandwiches, roast beef sandwiches, whatever it is. What can Rhino bring to Impact Wrestling at this point that the rest of their roster cannot? Experience? Maybe so. Put him behind the scenes then. But that's, that's their choice. That's what they did. That's what they're going with. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on what happens with this Rhino, uh, presumably making his return to Impact Wrestling. I guess we can't say 100% it's Rhino. Um, maybe it's somebody who's pretending to be Rhino, uh, but I find that unlikely. All right, up next, finally, we have reached the point of no return. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the main event of the evening, and Tessa Blanchard is going one-on-one with the leader of OVE, Sammy Callahan. And there's no rules in this match. Uh, this lady and this man, they can do whatever they want to each other, uh, use any kind of weapons they want. Um, so, yeah. Intergender main event. Um, some cussing at each other, you know, back and forth. Um, and this was just kind of what it was, okay? 
Um, we saw Tessa bring her bat to the ring. We saw Sammy bring his bat to the ring. There was kind of this drama regarding bats. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, there's been a lot of effort put into this by both performers. Don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of effort put into this by Impact Wrestling's production team, who's kind of been going out of their way to put together some of these vignettes uh, and some of these segments with these two, really building up to this match. Um, I don't know what we accomplished. Sammy Callahan gets the win over Tessa Blanchard, um, which was probably, was it the right call? I don't know. I can see why they do it. They don't, they don't want to give Tessa that super push, you know, and cause fans to start to resent her. I understand the logic, but what did it really do? I mean, Tessa was legit before this match ever happened. Sammy was legit before this match ever happened. So I'm not sure what we accomplished long-term. Short-term, we got a cool uh, intergender main event. Long-term, does it really go... Can we say this match goes in the history books? What if WWE ever decides to put on an intergender main event? I know it's unlikely at least at this stage. But what if they ever decide to do that? You know what WWE is going to do? Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have our first ever intergender main event. And then this match is going to be forgotten about. So I don't know what this is supposed to accomplish long term. Uh, Short term, I think it it was entertaining. I mean, the match was was entertaining. Um, If you're a fan of intergender wrestling. Which, look... Here's the facts, folks. A lot of people still are not fans of intergender wrestling and hate the idea. Uh, Tony Khan's not a fan of intergender wrestling. Equates it to domestic abuse. And then I know people want to kind of bring up the uh, LGBT arguments. And they're valid arguments. On the other hand, people don't buy into it because they believe that a man and a woman are mismatched physically. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on this. Give me good wrestling. First and foremost. And that's what I want. I want good wrestling. I want I want wrestlers who go in there with a purpose. With a reason. How did we get to this point? Why are we here? Are we here with good reasoning? Are we here with logic? Are we here because we're supposed to be here? Or... Are we doing this just to do it? And I think that's what a lot of people don't think about is the reasoning behind why something is happening. So whether it's a man or a woman or anyone else, why is this happening? And is it good? Is it good? But you have to have both. It's got to be good and there has to be a good reason behind it. Did we get this here? I don't know. I'm inclined to say no. But I know a lot of people see it different. So, anyway, the first intergender main event is in the books with Sammy Callahan defeating Tessa Blanchard. Uh, How would I grade this pay-per-view overall? I'd give it a B. Impact usually puts on pretty good pay-per-views. Um, they put a lot of effort into their presentation. 
and I'm not talking about arena size for those who were snarky. They put a lot of effort into how they present their performers. Whether it's the right thing, the right way to present them is debatable. But they do put effort into it. Um, I'd recommend the show to somebody. Um, if, if they like... If they like, if they like the idea of something very non-traditional between the first blood match, uh, between the monsters ball match, and between the main event, this is a very non-traditional show. Um, so it probably caused Jim Cornette to have an aneurysm. This is an extremely non-traditional show. That doesn't make it bad. That doesn't make it good. It's just different. Um. So, you know what? That's probably going to do it for me. I think I've said enough here. Uh, guys, let me know what you think. Did you watch uh, Impact Slammiversary? Um, if so, leave a comment. Send an email. Do your thing, guys. And let us know what you think. Um, again, I want to say thank you to all our listeners. Appreciate your patience as our content output kind of fluctuates. Uh, again, I hope it stabilizes here within the next month or so. Uh, so stay tuned for a lot more content coming up from the Squared Circle Journal.